quarters of the globe to your ears. It's the Midnight Movie Cowboys. Sometimes informative, sometimes controversial, but always unpredictable. It's the Midnight Movie Cowboys podcast with your hosts, Hunter, John, and Stu. And now, on with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Midnight Movie Cowboys. I am Hunter, and joining me is Mike Muir from Suicidal Tendencies. Say hello, Mike. All I wanted was a Pepsi. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. That's John. yeah. <laughs> and she wouldn't give it to me. She wouldn't give no. it to me. All I wanted was a Pepsi. No, uh, that's Mr. John Grace uh, here, uh, you know, with his Pepsi. Yeah, doing my Tim Pool impression. I'm going to have a knife and a... <laughs> pistol crossed in the back next week so yeah where's your katanas we need some katanas yeah. <laughs> so he's trying to like tell us he's tough or something he's gonna i don't know man did you get those at the shopping mall remember when malls <laughs> used to have a store where you could get like a uh, katanas and knives? always run by vietnamese or koreans yeah and it would be right next to like the place where you could play dance dance revolution yeah you know? uh <laughs> but you know those. And they had the airbrush Bruce Lee T-shirts and yes, posters. yes, you could get the T-shirt of Bruce Lee being a DJ. Yeah, shirt off. Oh, oh, we're gonna get a, a an Ang Lee biopic, uh, backed by <laughs> Shannon Lee, starring Ang Lee's son. Which I didn't know Ang Lee was straight. That was news. Yeah, I, I didn't know either. It was news to me. That was news to me. I I just assumed when I saw uh uh what was that movie called the wedding party i just assumed i i watched that and eat drink man woman and i was just like ah oh, it's a gay it's a gay director you know this is in what would be the uh what's the 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 alternative lifestyle section of the video store Back i thought it was gonna days. be crushing tiger hidden drag queen <laughs> yes but uh no his son is playing bruce lee and so i assume in this movie bruce is going to uh end racism he's gonna kill mickey rooney uh he's gonna event mma by wearing a bikini and yes. boxing with the uh kendo gloves yes that mma begins he's gonna invent hip-hop he's uh, gonna teach the first he's gonna have the first non-chinese students of kung fu ever that's right in history and there will there be a scene? Even though Ark Wong had him beat by a couple of years, I think. Yeah. Well, will there be a scene of him doing uh, Jeet Kune Do with Roman Polanski? Oh, oh I, probably not. <laughs> I hope so. Quentin had that in his movie. <laughs> yes, yes, he did. Uh, Quentin I had saw- a more honest portrayal, probably, than you're going to get from Ang. I, I can't remember who it was, so apologies because it's probably a listener. But uh, someone said, or somebody who's been on the show, but somebody said that Quentin should do his own Bruce Lee movie to compete with it, just to, just to rile things oh. up. Yeah, especially know, since he doesn't like him very much. So. No, you, you know. know, I think anybody who's more versed in martial arts movies kind of has a more realistic image of Bruce. Like, yeah. you know, we like his movies, but, you know, the the people who tend to be more the people who are Bruce pilled, I guess, are a little which is blue pilled on Bruce are, you know, mm-hmm. they they're it, they're the type of people who make that documentary that was on the special features for uh, Enter the Dragon, where the guy like 
assembled the real cut of Game of Death with Bruce's footage. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and he did this, went that into was... all this stuff about Bruce being this great philosopher and warrior. And he... Oh, yeah, that was John Little. That was John yeah, Little. Yeah, John Little. That. That's his name. Yes, John Little. Yeah. Oh, just, 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 uh, he does similar, he does similar, like idol worship of, um, Ayn Rand and, um, Will Durant, Will and Ariel Durant and the bodybuilder, Mike Mincer, who we sometimes mention, who was also a devotee of Ayn Rand and, and was pushing the high intensity training, Arthur Jones principles. And I think John Little also pushes, uh, sort of a cult of Arthur Jones as well. So you know, so that's his thing is like dead personalities who were kind of iconoclastic types or whatever. So he, he lumps Bruce Lee in with that. They're iconoclastic, but you can kind of project onto them. Like, yes, so yes, many exactly. people, so many people who are really just, you know, looking for they're just they, they just need religion. Uh, they yes, they, they look at Bruce as this religious figure. But yes, anyway, yes. Anyway, true ground we've covered before. Uh, you know, people talk about Bruce, but you know who people don't talk about anymore is Peter Sellers. Yeah, it if, was a big deal in the 70s when I was a kid. Oh, even in the 90s, he was still a household name. Pink Panther <laughs> movies on TV. Uh, yeah, but today. When Peter Sellers comes up, it's in two contexts. One is Dr. Strangelove, and it's he's not really discussed. It's Kubrick who's discussed. Two is being there, and you and I talked about this, that it's political comparisons. Oh, Joe Biden's president. It's just like being right. there. Oh, Trump is president. It's just like being there. Oh, Obama's president. It's just like being, you know, <laughs> it's, it's Ad been a nauseum. constant refrain. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I remember, you know, I, I just, I, but when I was a kid, I knew who Peter Sellers was. Mm -hmm. um, I knew Inspector Clouseau. Uh, I was aware of the party. Um, I was aware of certain movies he'd done. And I always thought of him as one of these giants of comedy. But you don't really hear he's kind of faded from the conversation. Uh, why do you think that is? Uh, just because young generations kind of uh, discard boomer idols and and Sellers is big with the boomers. I guess you could say he was big with the silent generation as well. Um, I wouldn't say he's the greatest generation uh, comedy comedy hero, but I could be wrong on that. But because uh, his his time in America for him to get big was in the early 60s in England. I think he was a big deal in the 50s, but uh, America didn't really get into yeah. him until the well, early he 60s. He, he was a rising star like he blew up big. He was a big deal on the radio. You know, yes. uh, I, I saw Blake Edwards, you know, <laughs> who made a lot of movies with him. He talked about he goes, he goes, uh, Peter was not a physical comedian. He was a vocal comedian. Yeah. And um. I saw Gene Shalit, the cartoon character Gene Shalit, who I'm convinced does not exist. Uh, he was talking to Peter Sellers and he said, you know, oh, I hear there's no such thing as your voice. Is that true? And Peter Sellers was like, 
well, you know, I was in radio for a long time, so I was always doing a different voice. You know, so yeah, like, it just it just was every day something different. So yes, I suppose that's true. Um, but uh, I also, but like you said, younger generations discarding boomer idols, uh, not so. The sight and sound poll just came out. Um, you know, every few years, the sight and sound polls all the critics and filmmakers and people in the industry and a list of they put out a list of the greatest movies ever made. And, you know, for a long time, number one, Citizen Kane, you know, big surprise. Then last, it was Vertigo, I think, right? Yeah. So the la second to last time they did it, it was Vertigo. Mm -hmm. So you could tell, OK, you know, like. OK, like Andrew Saris is dead. Pauline Kael's dead. Roger Ebert's dead. Um, Gene Siskel, like all these, you know, Leonard Malton's very old, uh, you know, whatever. Um, He's surrounded by Disney uh, animals, I think. Yeah. So um, what you have. So like, OK. So it was understandable that Citizen Kane would fall from number one because you have yeah. a lot of people who are like, I'm a voyeur, too. I like vertigo. Hoo, 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 you know? <laughs> like, vertigo is for pervs. Yeah, I, I like it's for pervs I, to say, hey, I'm against capitalism, man. <laughs> yeah, I love I'm a I'm a pervert. And I also love Brian De Palma movies, which, you know, guilty. Yeah. I love Brian De Palma movies. That's, that's a big that's a big movie buff thing. I think that that's what each generation is. They like the Hitchcock. They like the really weird Hitchcock. And then they love De Palma. Mm -hmm. De Palma worship is insane. Yeah, and uh, I kind of forgot De Palma is that guy who made Mission to Mars or whatever yes, that I hated yes, so much. Yes. Oh, bad film. Which, which I which did was... like the one he did with uh, Banderas and the model. What's her Femme name? Fatale. That's a good movie. Rebecca Romaine. Stamos. Rebecca Romaine. Stamos. Yeah, yeah, that, that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah that was probably the last uh, De Palma I paid attention to. It was pretty good. Yeah, like, that's Black Dahlia was terrible. Black. Yeah, Black Dahlia was unwatchable. Um, but uh, De Palma. Um. Yeah, Mission to Mars was the reason he was like, I'm never working in Hollywood again, because it was such a bad experience. It um, needed a monster. It needed like a Martian creature. Mm -hmm. Came out and like eats Don Cheadle. <laughs> um, but, uh, but so the latest sight and sound poll, though, okay, just so I'm not screwing mm -hmm. this up, uh, you know. The, I the have not seen the, so you could tell me it was Cannonball Run, I believe you. <laughs> It, no, I would actually be happier if number one was Cannonball Run. Um, the movie that was named the greatest movie of all time, John. This is how you know that idiots on Letterboxd have taken over. Chantal Ackerman's Jean Delmen. Huh? That's the reaction. That's the re the correct reaction to that. It should have been the Nutty Professor, Jerry Lewis. <laughs> yeah, it's uh oh, I'm it's one of these European movies where like oh, I'm I'm a normal everyday woman, but I have to be a prostitute to work uh, to to get by. It's one of those films. Oh God. Um, so yeah, that's the greatest movie of all time according to Sight and Sound, and even even Paul Schrader, who you know. <laughs> He goes, for 70 <laughs> years, the sight and sound poll has been a reliable, if somewhat incremental measure of critical consensus and priorities. 
Films moved up the list. Others moved down, but it took time. The sudden appearance of Jean Dielman in the number one slot undermines Sight and Sound Paul's credibility. It feels off, as if someone had put their thumb on the scale, which I suspect they did. As Tom Stoppard pointed out in Jumpers, in democracy, it doesn't matter who gets the votes. It matters who counts the votes. Paul, that you're getting dangerously close to conspiracy theories there. Can you imagine Maricopa County with that uh, sentence? (laughs) By expanding the voting community and the point system this year's sight and sound poll reflects not a historical continuum, but a politically correct rejiggering. Ackerman's film is a favorite of mine, a great film, a landmark film. Stop lying. To sure it is. Yeah, sure. sure it is. I'm sure you. He's got to make up for saying that what uh, Weinstein did to Bertolucci's work was worse than his rapes. Yes. Yes. I never forgot that gem of a Facebook statement. <laughs> oh, Paul's Facebook is gold. This is from his Facebook, by the way. But it's unexpected. Number one rating does it no favors. Jean Dielman will, from this time forward, be remembered not only as an important film in cinema history, but as a landmark of distorted woke reappraisal. Oh my God. So, yeah, like, so I feel like you're right that Peter well, Sellers is kind of a victim of we got to throw off what dad likes, like Citizen Kane and Vertigo. So, so we get this, that that happened this week. And yeah. um and we get an Indiana Jones trailer that looks like a funnier dive video. That was a perfect uh comment. That was a perfect comment you made that it looked like a funnier dive video because you know the movie that leapt to mind for me when watching that trailer was The Irishman. Okay. You know, there's a lot of stuff <laughs> I liked in The Irishman. But the de-aging stuff, okay. I still haven't seen it, so no spoilers, Hunter. Yes. Well, spo- you know, I'm not going to spoil what what happens to Jimmy Hoffa, okay? Not going to spoil it, you know? <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, 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 I don't need to know. I, no. I, I want to be surprised. Yeah. You don't know that story. You don't know what happened, so I'm going to spare you. Right. But – uh but, you know, Robert De Niro's supposed to he's de-aged to make his face look young. And then he drags this guy out of a restaurant and starts beating him up. And that young face on that septuagenarian body, maybe it's octogenarian at this point, you just can't hide it. And so, like, you know, I, I was watching this footage of, of Indy in his urban George Will get up doing like cgi marvel type action scenes Uh, and i'm going this makes him look worse it makes him look really old it's roger moore in a view to a kill with his stunt (laughs) man showing up and it's just like oh it's so obvious because he's so old (laughs) how how many times did you notice in a view to a kill where the camera zeroes in on his face he just looks tired like (laughs) it happens during that whole san francisco thing yeah. it's just like he's just like there's shots of more just looking tired as hell yeah like he just went out of there that was the one too many that was the one too many you know should have said no to that one yeah uh, uh, harrison ford just no respect for this guy just cash and checks and yeah you know. and i think i you know everybody's like harrison's so excited he's so like look at how happy he is and he's pushing it i'm um, look you know harrison ford 
has made no secret. He does not care about anything. He hates working. He loves money. This time he's just putting on a show. Yeah. I don't believe for a second that he thinks this is anything worth a damn. All I know is this is seeing trailers for movies like that is probably why I'm starting to lean towards looking into a video game system, because obviously new movies are never going to be satisfying. They're just awful now. Movies are the worst I've ever seen them. Craig Zoller cannot get anything greenlit. He's been not making a movie for what, four years now. It's been it's been way too long. We're done. We're done. Movies are over. It's it's done. Uh, I subscribe to the Hiya app on Amazon and I tried some of these new films from China. Woo! They killed the genre. They have no clue how to make this stuff. It's really no. bad. No, you know, at no. least there's some old Golden Harvest stuff, English dub that I can watch and enjoy. But man, nothing good is coming from China. I'm gonna try some of the Korean movies. I'm gonna give it a, give it another shot. Not really digging Korean cinema so far. I know that's no. the big hip thing. I just don't get it. You know, um, it, it's just nothing. Uh, it's just so bad now. Movies. I couldn't tell you the last time I was at the multiplex. I forgot. I literally I, forgot last time I was at the movies. Last last time I went to the movies was to see Black Phone. But before that, I went to see Top Gun twice. Yeah, I saw Top Gun. Maybe that's the last time. Yeah. I can't remember. And I saw I they're re-releasing the it. They're re-releasing it in theaters and mm-hmm. for the Christmas break. And I think it's because they don't have anything. I think there there's nothing that will bring in anything. I saw Jaws. I saw Jaws back <laughs> in July or August. I did see Jaws. Good choice. It's Good the last choice. time I went to the movies. How, you, how sad is that? I used to go to the movies all the time. And I, you, I don't. It's, yeah. Am I supposed to just read books all the damn time? I don't know. <laughs> you should play, <laughs> Watch old uh, movies play like the Yaku- Panther. And- <laughs> yeah, play the Yakuza games on the PlayStation. Those are... <laughs> Very fun. So far, that system I inherited doesn't seem to work. So I think I'm going to have to go straight to the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Throw some cash down for an expensive system. So, yeah. I, I expect some recommendations on the group next yep. week after this airs. So, yep. <laughs> Yakuza, Fist of the North Star, Lost Paradise. It's good stuff. Um, so, yeah, but uh, I would go to the multiplex. I'll finally be the father my son wants me to be. Yes. <laughs> Get, Play get him, video games. Just get him an old NES with Golgo 13 and say, here you go, son. And he'll feel like his life was wasted away. <laughs> uh, Eric Zoliver sent me a, a photo of a Golgo 13 game. I guess he saw it at a thrift store or something. I remember sending you one of uh, I posted one. I think you did, too. And I think both times I got chills and I started to get the shakes. And I was like, oh, God, stolen time. Yes. Uh but so the movies we're talking about today, we were going to talk about the Pink Panther and its sequel, A Shot in the Dark. Yes. Um, as you pointed out, because I, I hadn't seen these movies since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And as you pointed out, uh, I was like, let's do the Pink Panther. And you went, well, Clouseau's kind of just a side character in that. It's not really his movie. He just kind of steal Peter Sellers, as he does, steals the show. And then you said a shot in the dark. That's the first like real Clouseau film. And yeah, uh, it is. and so we uh, we decided to do both of them just to kind of get the ground zero and get the 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 next one. But uh, so the, the Pink Panther directed by Blake Edwards, starring David Niven, Peter Sellers, a very young, very handsome Robert Wagner, um, 
who I had never seen in a movie before uh, as a young man, uh, Capucine and Claudia Cardinale. So um, our listener, Trent Reynolds, I think had the best take on this film. He was like, this is one of the most immoral movies I've ever seen. <laughs> he goes, the, uh, the, the main character is having sex with another man's wife. The other guy's trying and and he steals the jewels. And at the end, he frames the good guy for the crime and he goes to prison. But you're supposed to be OK with it because he's David Niven. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's coming from Trent, who runs a uh, website devoted to uh, Parker, the Richard Stark character, Richard Stark actually being Donald Westlake's pit name, who is supposed to be an immoral thief and yeah. <laughs> uh, with no feelings for anything or anybody. And uh, Trent has reviewed all the movies <laughs> based on the Parker novels, <laughs> and yet he considers this the most immoral thing he's seen. Yes. So that tells you a lot. But Trent uh, would know about, about immoral crime thrillers. Yes, crime yes. <laughs> this one is too much. And uh, I was always, you know, my my wife had never seen these and she goes why is it called the pink panther and i'm i'm going look it's very vague there's a jewel if you look at it funny it looks like it's got a pink it looks like the cartoon pink panthers inside yeah um but it's very much like the thin man where the the uh, the the this obscure thing from the first film has become the series mascot right 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 yeah the um and it was a I think the original script was intended to be more of a straightforward um, caper film with some comedy. And I think when uh, Peter Sellers replaced Peter Yusinoff in the film, mm-hmm. suddenly the comedy got ramped up for Sellers. And uh, I guess we'll go right into the movie. Uh, those of you who have seen it have already know, probably already know what we're going to say about it. But um, a while back, there was an interview. An interview had resurfaced of uh, John Carpenter talking to the BBC, I think, from like 1978. And they asked him what he thought of uh, Spielberg's work. And he said he liked Jaws. And they said, what did you think of Close Encounters? And he said he didn't like it at all because he felt like, I think it was Close Encounters. He said, um, the director, he goes, I believe a director should be in control of his film, of every aspect. And I, I think he lost control of that film. And that was the vibe I got watching the Pink Panther because I felt like with Sellers getting carried away and becoming really the highlight of the film, even though he's not supposed to be a sympathetic character. um, It's like Blake Edwards lost control of everything, like and didn't want to admit it. And but Sellers was pretty much dominating the film and knew he was because he's doing all those actor things you do to bring the audience to pay attention to you. David Niven is really outshined in the film. And David Niven is one of the most charismatic movie stars of all time and he's really outshined in this film well in a movie a movie with sellers where that happens too is kubrick's lolita um yes like sellers takes over that movie i did not yeah. know when i watched lolita that i was signing up for a peter sellers comedy <laughs> and yeah, he blew mason off the screen yeah mason just couldn't maintain control of it and kubrick couldn't maintain control of it or just let sellers get away with it i think so i think kubrick was happy with it because he worked with him again and he never he barely ever worked with the guy twice him and kirk douglas that's it you know um uh, but sellers i'm just a normal guy you know just uh you me normal guys you know uh, i just saw thought maybe we should you know hang out together and uh talk about world politics or something and 
You know, who is that uh, little girl you got with that? You know, not so little, but tall, you know, a little tall, you know, you know, do you, you, you guys got a good room? Uh, you know, I could talk to the guy and have him set you up with a good room. <laughs> it's a scene that it, it helped uh, balance out the overall creepy nature of the film. Yeah. Which and, it tries and, to hide very hard. But and I think they knew they were. I, I think they only made the movie just to see if they could get away with it. But, yes. but I think Sellers does help defray the sleaze aspect that's constantly bubbling under, uh, up to the surface in this film and, yes. and by blowing Mason off the screen. And um, Mason seems less sympathetic in the film, actually. Yeah. Um, and the, like and he's, he's a big fool. You know? And then the plot twist is that Peter Sellers is another pervert like him trying to, yep. <laughs> to move in on him. You know, it's like, yeah, oh. I don't think there's any other actor that uh, could could have done that for the film. And no, and somewhat no. made it watchable, I guess. No, yeah, it's distasteful it, as it is, it's like that. That worked. It's like that. It helped tremendously. Like Sellers is amazing in that film. He's amazing in Doctor Strange alone. Yeah, He's, that's that's his showcase. It's amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. And uh, you know what's a movie he's really good in, but he doesn't steal it. Is the Lady Killers? Yes, that's a very good film. And People... yeah, he does not chew the scenery and steal the movie at all. No, and it also speaks to what a comic talent Alec Guinness is. Because Alec Guinness, people forget how funny he was in those Ealing comedies, like Kind Hearts and Coronets and Lady Killers. Like, he's hysterical in those films. He's so funny. And he he wears a lot of disguises like Sellers, too, in those films. Like Kind Hearts and Coronets, that guy's got to kill off all the members of that family. And they're all played by Alec Guinness, even the women. You know, <laughs> it's so good. Well, we're um, we're kind of in that pop culture where you don't know about the Ealing comedies unless people tell you about them because they're not promoted over here. And um, unfortunately in this country, movie buffs always have to go back to their precious star Wars. And, yeah. and um, they, uh, they think of Alec Guinness as Obi-Wan Kenobi and that's it. They don't think of him as being this guy starting all these Ealing comedies and all the work he did. You know, I think of him as George Smiley, the spy master yes. and the two excellent British miniseries uh, and the versions of John Lee Carré's novels, uh, which are superior to the novels in my opinion. And um, I, the Ealing comedies are fantastic. I recently invested in a region two box set of Ealing comedies, supposed to be the best of Ealing. It's just a bunch of the movies and bought it off eBay for 30 bucks or something from a guy who got tired of it. And so I'm going to do a little deep dive into the Ealing comedies and enjoy that England that never was, you know, <laughs> the, uh, yes. the perfect England of Brian Clemens TV shows and um, Ealing comedies and I guess some some Hammer movies. But yeah, this ideal England that... Uh, and to see the the great skill of Alec Guinness, it's like, yeah, Sellers did not steal the Lady Killers. And you'll notice when we get into talking about Shot in the Dark, and this is true of the other Pink Panther comedies, he gives a lot of showcase to Herbert, Herbert Long. Yes, he really yes. Herbert Long gets to do a lot in those movies, and is often just as funny as Sellers. And and I think Sellers respected Long enough to to do that. <laughs> the twitch, <laughs> it's great. Yeah, because Sellers is one of those guys who could really take over and destroy a film. Yeah. Um, you know, he he was one of those guys who, you know, like his last film, Fiendish Plot of Dr. Fu Manchu, like he fired the director and took it over. You know, he was one of those guys who if if a director was weak enough, he would uh, he would dominate. He would dominate them. That happens to a lot of those guys like Jerry Lewis and Eddie Murphy. And um, it's a very common thing with with really B 
big comic talent. Like they become hard to work with. They get directors fired. Jim Carrey. Um, they want to direct it themselves, really. They just want to be able to get carried away and ham it up and not really use written material and improvise on camera. And I, I don't know. It's a weird thing. It develops with all of them for some reason. Yeah. Well, like Jim Carrey's a total psychopath. You know, like that guy is totally yeah. nuts. And um, I remember Joe Dante talking about, he said, oh, a director friend of mine did a movie with a comedian and in post the comedian decided he didn't want to be funny anymore. And I knew, and I found out he was talking about Jim Carrey on the majestic, yeah, um, which was a Frank Darabont picture. So of course, Darabont and Dante are close and the majestic was a total piece of crap. And, um, but Dante said the comedian Carrey wanted to take all the pratfalls out all the comedy. He wanted it gone. He wanted to be taken seriously. And so he totally made that movie not at all what people would want, you know. <laughs> what what happened to the studio system that would go in there and fire him? Yeah, and say no, funny boy, we're just using all your comedy. Go make a serious film. Yeah, why does? Yeah, just because Jim Carrey gets twenty five mil a picture, he gets to he gets to you know. Oh, sorry, Frank Darabont. You know, we don't we don't you know that thing we hire Jim Carrey for the funny. We're not doing it. He doesn't want it. You know, so. Like, does he get in yeah, his contract that he gets final cut? Ugh. Silly. Ridiculous. This is dumb. Stupid studios. They they put us in this bind. They really did. They let the, like, letting the lunatics run the asylum is, uh, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. Like, you read Reezy Riders, Raging Bulls, and you're like, hey, cool, man. The artist took over. It's, you need, I'm sorry, you need dad in there to tell people no. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other fun thing about that John Carpenter interview is he says he would be very much at home in the old studio system. Make oh, a musical, yeah. make a crime film, make a Western all in one year. He loved he loved that idea because I would have been very had a lot of fun in that. Yeah. Do do something. Do shake it up. Do something different. Uh, and, you know, Blake Edwards was one of those guys from the old Hollywood system that was around a long time. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was working. Up until like his last film was 1993, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and he was working from the 50s, you know, married to Julie Andrews. Um, he made Bruce Lee cry when he made Breakfast at Tiffany's. <laughs> yeah, bring it around. Yeah, <laughs> He saw Mickey Rooney and he. You know, Linda took him to see it and he cried and ran. Out. And supposedly in one trivia point I saw, they claim Blake Edwards uh, was a private student of Bruce Lee. I know he trained with Ed Parker, supposedly at Ed Parker school and Ed Parker's in some of the Pink Panther movies, but I don't know about training with Bruce Lee. Might have happened. I have yeah, no idea. Could have. I mean, yeah, I can see Bruce going over and doing some private lessons or something. Yeah. I mean, Blake's a big name, um, but, you know, he did some. He's mostly known for comedies, but he did some like Hitchcock type pictures. And um, oh, what's that one he did with? Uh, is it Lee Rimmick? Um, saw uh, something of terror. An experiment uh, in terror. Oh yeah, great film. That's a great yeah. thriller. Terrific. I saw it on the big screen. It's amazing. So it's yeah, if you can see it at a revival theater, don't miss it. Um, he also did the one Bo Derek movie that John Derek did not direct that she's best known for, and that's Ten. That made her a star. That, yeah. that made her a huge star. Yeah, with uh, uh, Dudley Moore. We made Victor Victoria, which gets on a lot of 10 best lists. Really? From a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. It's a very popular film. Victor Victoria, 
Um, SOB, I know it's a pay cable favorite because you got to see Julie Andrews topless. I don't know why you'd want to, but, um, in 19, just... in 1981. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I watched it on cable TV one time oh. and, um, it was Blake Edwards was the first director that, that showed me what pan and scan was because he would use scope so well that they could not, it was really tough to pan and scan those movies for TV. So the, the camera would go side to side like crazy to try to get all the Peter Sellers jokes in there or the jokes in SOB with Richard Mulligan trying to kill himself or what, like it would just go crazy with it. Like, cause he, he was a big widescreen fanatic. He loved shooting in scope. Well, and uh, I know my wife hates Victor Victoria cause she's a singer and she hates her doing the, you know, like low voice <laughs> stuff. She hates that. <laughs> she's right. like oh victor victor i remember her bringing it up and saying oh it's a terrible movie i would probably hate it I, if i watch it i'd probably hate it it's like it's not my type of movie um but uh you know the pink panther though i think i think it it doesn't really come together it's it's fun it has funny scenes but mm-hmm. it's 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 and you know i think it's worth watching for sellers and like there's some funny naughty stuff in there but it's not uh it's not a cohesive whole it it doesn't like in fact the plot's kind of hard to follow at first like it it's there's a lot of stuff going on and it's kind of con- for a, a caper movie i think you need to be uh, pretty tuned in into what's going on and it takes a while before you're able to kind of go okay that's who this is like there's too many sub characters like I think okay problem one thing here's a perfect example. One thing that made me mad was Claudia Cardinale plays this princess, Princess Dalla. Yeah. And they race swap her when she's older with the younger girl. And it took me a while to figure out that that was the girl who had the pink panther jewel. You yeah. know, like they they pick a child who's completely different from her. And so we don't really notice the time has passed or the jump or anything like that. And so it didn't unless you 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 catch the name, you don't really it's hard to follow. Yeah. And that, that seems like something that a director who uh, cast Mickey Rooney as a Japanese man would do, would make that sort of <laughs> thing where any white actor could play any race. It, yes. Well, and it, like it's um, very it's his blind spot. I think he probably would have admitted it was his blind spot because he was very ashamed of uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's with the casting of Mickey Rooney. He was and, really ashamed of that. And yet, well into the PC era, that poster was a staple of girls' college dorm rooms. Yep. You know. I saw it, saw it a few times on college campuses. It was weird. I was like, what well, the hell's going on here? And, you know, he did that film with Peter Sellers' The Party, which was kind of his take on Jacques Tati films. And yeah. in that film, Peter Sellers plays an Indian guy who was clearly the inspiration for Apu on The Simpsons. Uh, yes, it's the exact same much. voice. Like Hank Azaria is just doing Sellers' voice on that. That's uh, all he's doing, exactly. Yeah, but it's it's. Although like, I have met young Indian guys who like that movie, they love it. Oh, it's well, it's it's a really fun movie. Like it's hilarious. Yeah. If you like Tati films, it. I would say that that's a great example of a director hacking another director's work successfully. You know, people try mm-hmm. to hack David Lynch; no one can do it. People try to hack Robert Brisson. No one can do it. But Tati is a very specific flavor and tone. And Blake Edwards and Peter Sellers nailed it. Like, I went, this is yeah. Tati. This is playtime. 
<laughs> when I was watching it, I was <laughs> I, I I got really excited and I was going, this is it, it that has to be what they were going for. Um but uh the second film they did was Shot in the Dark, and this was not supposed to be a Clouseau film. It was based on a play, and it ended up becoming a Clouseau film, uh kind of just along the path of development so a shot in the dark was written by blake edwards and william peter blatty i didn't know blatty had anything to do with this movie until now (laughs) until i watched it right well he used to be um blake edwards go-to scriptwriter. interesting i didn't know that yeah william freakin in his um autobiography he said when he went in to interview with Blake Edwards about directing uh, the Peter Gunn movie in 1967. I'm thinking um, he said, William Peter Blatty had written the script and was there sitting in the room. And uh, Freakin said, the script is garbage. And he goes, I wouldn't direct. I would completely rewrite the script. It's awful. And then Blake Edwards got offended and freaking, you know, walked out of the office, kind of stormed out of there. He said, William Peter Blatty came running after him and said, I've never seen anybody stand up to Blake like that because that was great. <laughs> and then, you know, years later, Blatty wrote the exorcist uh, and everything and worked with freaking again. But um, that was uh, Blake Edwards, I think was kind of a bully and had sort of a, a volatile personality. I remember um, I was talking with a screenwriter who had planned, tr- he had all these treatments and I think several scripts for a series of martial arts action films for Blake Edwards to produce and probably direct because Blake Edwards Wanted to do a martial arts movie, like in the 80s. And um, he said that it didn't happen because Blake was his own worst enemy. He could have the studio all high on something, and then he would go in and get into a fight with the executives or argue with them and get the project killed. He just had that type of personality, you know. Well, and, you know, I know he and Peter Sellers, they didn't think they were going to work together again after this film. And they, they did hated a lot. each other. Yeah, they, but they, yeah, they hated they're, each they're, other. Their relationship collapsed during this film, yeah. not speaking to each other. Uh, and I think both of them, you know, are very alpha personalities, but somehow they were able to come together and make a bunch of movies together afterwards. Uh, money. <laughs> they both needed yeah. money. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but like the party, I thought just fired on all cylinders. I was like, man, you know, they were able to make this work. But so did this film, uh, A Shot in the Dark, it's. Uh, a sequel that's much uh, it's you could barely even call it a sequel like you know Clouseau gets arrested thrown in prison at the end of <laughs> Pink Panther but uh it's I think it's superior to the film that follows um it's uh it's you know much more coherent there's more um it 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 feels more complete as a movie it doesn't feel as tangential and yeah uh it's not it's not as incoherent as the pink panther well there's not a wasted shot in the film yeah. every scene has a purpose it's perfect about as perfect a comedy as it gets and um because there's a lot of laughs it's tight i mean even with the re- even it even has a running gag that's very funny 
how Clouseau keeps getting arrested while going undercover. Yes, I mean, that's so it's, funny. It's actually <laughs> hilarious, like the way they do it. And the way you know it's Clouseau and the <laughs> police truck, because this is all done by second unit, they'll have like, uh, he gets arrested selling balloons. Well, then they have balloons yeah. Yeah, hanging out the back of the police. It's it's a perfect visual gag. I remember The Simpsons ripped that off when uh, Homer, there was an episode, it was the episode where Apu moves in with The Simpsons. And Homer keeps getting hospitalized from eating food at the Quickie Mart. Like, he'll drop a hot dog on the floor and eat it. And then it'll just cut to the ambulance. Yeah, yeah. They <laughs> they would steal from these movies all the time. Yeah. Because um, it, it's funny because a shot in the dark, my understanding of the story I've always read is uh, Pink Panther was being prepped. Uh, it was in editing. And I guess the studio screened a, a rough cut. And they were like, oh, my God, people are going to love the Clouseau character. Can we get a movie, a new, another movie going with Clouseau, like right away? That's just all about Clouseau. And um, they had a deal with Peter Sellers and, and a contract, and they wanted to burn that off, I guess. And uh, they were trying to do, separately. They were trying to develop a shot in the dark as a as a film because it was a French play, I believe. And um, they uh, they decided, hey, let's just redo it as a Clouseau film because I guess Edwards, it, the script got into Edwards' hands. Could he do something with the project? He was like. I'll turn it into a Clouseau movie. It's perfect for the character. And then that's how they kind of created the Pink Panther series as we know it today. I, they just got sidetracked with that Alan Arkin movie that followed this. Yeah. To throw everybody off. Inspector, Inspector Clouseau, it was called. Right, right. It has no Cato because this movie introduces Cato, the, yes. uh, his the, uh, Chinese uh, manservant, to uh, his order to attack him unexpectedly to which is keep his karate skills sharp. <laughs> hilarious running gag. Keto, yes. <laughs> Keto, we must. You must. He's like Keto. You must. You must attack me more furiously. And then he brings that girl home, and they start making. <laughs> he attacks him in bed. And I think that happens in several of the films. I haven't watched them in years, but I think that's a running. That happens in all of them <laughs> eventually. <laughs> the uh, the funny thing is, uh, they're doing uh, at one point. Uh, Clouseau and Keto are doing floor judo, and it looks like what we now call Brazilian jiu jitsu. Because Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is basically an aggressive expansion on floor judo concepts. And so it's, it's pretty, kind of cool to see. Okay. I'm going to do a documentary called My Name is I Am Cato. And it's going to be <laughs> about how Burt Kwok invented BJJ. What do you think? <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm all for it. I'll, it's as I'll get some, as anything these days. I'll get some rappers in there. I'll get uh, I'll get Dana White to... To, or somebody you know i'll get i'll get people in there and we'll talk we'll just myth mythologize burt kwok get uh chuck liddell and uh chill son and yeah. in there too uh yeah yeah <laughs> burt kwok he had a little cameo in fiendish plot of dr fu manchu he's the fu manchu uh henchman who accidentally spills his elixir of life <laughs> so you actually sat through that movie yes i did <laughs> you're on a serious peter sellers jones because I was I go through that. I guess we all all of us white men go through this Peter Sellers phase. I don't know yes. what it is, but we get totally hooked on Peter Sellers movies and we watch all we can in like a three month period. And mm -hmm. I did that. Yeah, um, I think I'm I in that 30, right now. I'm in the throes of it. I think I was 33, 34 when I went through this phase and um, I was just going to the library. You can still check out VHS tapes back then. It tells you how old I am. And uh, I was just getting every Peter Sellers movie. Uh, uh, finished plot of Dr. Fu Manchu. I could not finish. I it's not good. 30 minutes in, I think there was 
Nayland Smith was mowing his lawn or something. Yeah. He couldn't stop mowing. He has this, and it's just like, I can't deal with this anymore. You know? Yeah, no, it has this, it has a lot of gags that don't land. Like Nayland Smith has an emotional support lawnmower. You know, it's one of those yeah, things yeah, yeah. that you might, when you're in the writer's room, probably seems funny, but then it just doesn't work when you're watching it. Um, but there, it, I think the the premise of the film was based on a goon show sketch. Yeah. Where Fu Manchu is wants to be called Fred because that's what he was called at Eaton. He's like, call me Fred. It's what oh, I no. was called at Eaton. I did their laundry. So many white collars. <laughs> so it was basically it was like uh, a night at the Roxbury for Peter Sellers. Like yes, it was. It, was. Sketch, it you're, turning that it is, into a ninety minute movie, which can't really sustain. Yeah, and it has really funny stuff in it, but as a movie, and it's another troubled production. You yeah, know, Sellers fired the director, fought with everybody, doesn't work, um, and he was basically dying when he made it. Um. He looked bad. I, I remember I was watching it. I, I watched I Love You, Alice B. Tolkis. So, um, let's see. What's New Pussycat? Yeah. I think I may have even seen Where Does It Hurt? It seems like I even saw that. That's a did you, that's a did you see Murder by Death with Truman Capote? I tried getting through that. Tried. <laughs> it's, it's Is the word. That Neil Simon humor has aged worse than anything. And I remember when he was like Sellers, you could put his name over a movie title and it would sell tickets. Like anywhere, flyover country. Like Peter Sellers was so big in the seventies. Like rednecks loved him. Like yeah. he was one of my dad's favorites. It's like very. He was like popular everywhere. Like it wasn't just like you know. I say this about Woody Allen movies too, but it's like it wasn't just New York and L.A. to watch his stuff. It was like everybody all over the country loved Peter Sellers. It was yeah. like you could, if the local TV station was running the Tom Thumb movie produced by George Powell, which Peter Sellers has a small role in. The TV station emphasized Peter Sellers was in the film. <laughs> yeah, you know, it didn't matter that Russ Tamblin or whoever the hell was playing Tom Thumb. No, Peter Sellers, Peter Sellers, Peter Sellers and Tom Thumb. Well, it's like uh, what's her name, uh, Suzanne Summers. She went. I knew I'd arrived when American Graffiti was in reruns, or not reruns, yeah. but it was uh, it was in it was playing on TV, and it said American Graffiti starring Suzanne Summers. <laughs> Yeah, she's like, in it for like 10 seconds. Yeah, she just she's just the chick that Richard Dreyfus sees and obsesses over the rest of the film. Yeah, it's just like she's barely in the film. Um, I always love that when somebody, especially if they're not famous yet, gets gets top billing late possibly like later on, you know. Yeah, <laughs> after yeah. they get big. But but Peter Sellers was that huge. Uh, this will yeah. stun some of our millennial and zoomer listeners, but man, that guy was that was the comedy name of the 70s. It wasn't Saturday Night Live people. They hadn't really developed their footing as box office attractions. It's like Peter Sellers was comedy. There was yeah. just nobody like it. Like you could say Peter Sellers on a lower level, George Siegel. That's kind of how it was. It was just like that's what I vividly remember as a kid. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I saw people when he died comparing him to Chaplin as like the greatest genius Britain had produced in terms of comedy. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and I just, it's it's just been interesting to see some of these people go from household names when I was a kid to now uh, where they're barely even talked about. And he's only talked about in contexts where he's just in the like he's just part of the movie. Like it's not. Yeah, we're not talking about him necessarily. Um, 
but like strange love is and to a lesser extent being there are probably most people's reference points but i remember even in 2006 you know they were remaking pink panther movies with steve martin so it was still around but i remember not going to see the pink panther movies with steve martin because i was like yeah it's not sellers you know it's just... i was sort of like i was offended like it was a religion or something yeah and, and i think i heard that they wanted jackie chan to play kato but then they decided that's politically incorrect yeah even though that to me that sounds like a natural thing to do and i might have seen this the silly thing if that had been the case but if they were going to play it that safe and and uh soft fisted on this stuff i'm like the hell with them you know, and yeah, I, they, sh- they should have cast Jean Dujardin from the OSS one one seven movies. Yes. Those are those are far closer to that Pink Panther prime formula than anything they're going to be able to do with a director like Pete Siegel or one of those guys. Yeah, it was it was they were they were, they were it was like Sean Levy, I think, did yeah. one of them. Yeah, yeah, it just they don't. For one thing, nobody does. Nobody knows how to do physical comedy anymore in this country. It's a lost art. Everybody makes a Judd Apatow comedy, mm-hmm. which means unfunny. It means, and, it means um, improv and yeah, yeah, like bad comedians that can't act. You know, Seth Rogen, hey, hey, just growling their way through movies and not really being funny and not really doing a shtick or anything. It's like there's physical comedy to me is like you'll go back and you'll watch like a, a Hong Kong film or a French comedy or um, just or old silent films and it's just timeless funny stuff. And you watch the Pink Panther movies, timelessly funny slapstick. You yeah. cannot help but laugh at it. Like I watched Shot in the Dark with my wife, who you know she watched these when she was young, uh, and um, my son, and uh, my son loved it. He just thought it was hysterical because it's physical comedy and it's just facial expressions and timing and everything that's just kind of missing from movies today. I don't, I don't think anybody knows how to do this stuff anymore. Well, I, I, I think it's. I don't think people know how to make movies anymore. Period. They just know how to make. Yeah. You know, they just know how to overhype um, a piece of crap that's the same sarcastic gibberish. The same yeah, gray, it's just same old crap. Gray, bland, beige nonsense. Yeah, men are bad. Everybody else is just trying to get by and, you know. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I saw recently Quentin Tarantino was like, oh, Marvel actors aren't movie stars. And yes, he's 100% correct. But Samuel Jackson Jackson goes, well, no, Chadwick Boseman's a star. No, he's not. He was in Get On Up. He was in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. None of those made money. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, I'm sorry, but he's known for Black Panther. Play Black Panther. That's all anybody knows him for. That's it. And the same, none of these people, like you pointed out, Samuel L. Jackson cannot open a film. Can't do it. No. I mean, I know a guy who put him in a starring role in a film. This was his hot off a hit. Didn't didn't it didn't do well. Yeah. Um and uh it just you know the 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 just the the, the childish unrealistic way people look at this stuff. Oh, this person's a star. If people don't go see the movie because you're in it, you're not a movie star. Exactly. You're not a draw. You don't put butts in the seat. Brad Pitt is a movie star because he can do a movie like Bullet Train and it makes well over $200 million. 
Okay. And it sucks ass. And it sucks. But it makes money because he's in it being Brad Pitt. Exactly. The only reason people went to see that movie is because it was Brad Pitt being Brad Pitt. Yep. And that's what the movie sold you. That's what you got. If you can't do that, you're not a movie star. Okay. And anybody trying to argue with you on this, like ask them, do they have Coach Carter Blu-rays at home? <laughs> if they don't have a Coach Carter Blu-ray at home, they'll, they'll lie in their ass up. To ask them how many times a year they watch Snakes on a Plane. Do they own a copy of Snakes on a Plane? Do they even at least have a Snapcase cardboard New Line Cinema DVD from 2005 or whatever for Snakes on a Plane? Like... Like you absolute morons are leaders of the industry and you don't even know these categories that are the simplest categories. You can't define them. It's become so incoherent. It's become so incoherent. They don't, that words have no meaning to them. I'm a movie star because I'm in a Marvel film. (laughs) Okay. well, words don't mean anything any anyway these days. How many times do you see a nonfiction book called a novel in <laughs> professional reviews? Yes. A novel is a work of fiction, period. Yes. That's what we were told in journalism school. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't go to journalism school. I don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's a strict definition. Yes. Novel. <laughs> nah. Fiction. <laughs> whatever I feel it is. Yeah. It's subjective. Um, <laughs> it's the words don't mean anything anymore no they don't it's it, it but i just i just really um i really that that really annoyed me that people were so hung up again quentin he's like the new scorsese because he said that i'm sorry <laughs> if if chris evans stars in a movie nobody's gonna see it because chris evans stars in it yeah because he's, you know, and he sucks. You know, he's okay. terrible. Maybe Chris Pratt. Maybe. Yeah, he could draw you some know, people. Some people. You know, maybe. I mean, the stuff he's in is big property stuff. But, you know, I know there's a lot of a lot of people. Uh, there's a lot of performative hatred of him on the Internet. Yeah. Like, it's it's a meme to hate Chris Pratt uh, for no reason, really. Um, I, I have it on good authority from somebody who's who's close that uh he's kind of a, a jerk but um oh I, I wouldn't doubt it at all but but uh i but i just i just uh you know he's he's one who you could categorize as that right but like you know nobody well, the, else. the the pr hatred comes i think from the, the fact he's like a praise the lord type of oh, it's, it's it's totally because he's not making the noises they want him to make it's right they want he's like they're like what you believe stuff we don't like uh you know and here's the thing he hasn't even said anything controversial yeah they just project all their bo- christian boogeyman stuff onto him he's the um, type you can do that with project yes. on you know well it's like you know he posted a picture of his kid and everybody assumed he was implying his kid with anna ferris was less than and stuff it's just all magical we're we're just combing through everything he does doing mental gymnastics to try to find a reason why he's donald trump elon musk 2.0 you know uh, <laughs> <laughs> um it's just it's just ridiculous but uh and i'm not even a big fan of his i don't like 
particularly care for him in movies, but uh, you know, it's just the way people just look silly the way they. Attack. I haven't liked a single movie he's made, and I got sick of that Parks and Rec show after a yeah. few seasons. Yeah, I, I you know, I'm in and, and like okay, he's playing Super Mario in the Mario Brothers movie, and everybody's mm-hmm. going, "He's horrible! Oh, he sucks! Oh, he's not even putting any effort into it." And I'm going, "It sounds <laughs> fine." I heard him say it. He, it just. He's not overselling the Italian stuff. He's, it's fine. It's whatever, you know? Well, let's, fa- let's face it, in a better world, that movie would have been made in the 70s, live action with Terrence Hill and Bud Spencer as yeah. the Mario Brothers. <laughs> hey, I'm a fan Bud of Bud would be slamming like the turtle creatures over the head with his hammer fist. Have and... you seen the 1993 one with Bob Hoskins? I've never seen it. It's like a legend with you and Zolly and Eric, but uh, I've never seen it. <laughs> oh, man. I was too old for that when that came out. So, oh, yeah. I know. was the right I was age. in college, remember, going to journalism <laughs> school. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was nine. So yeah, we still thought newspapers were a viable business for the future when we were in college. That's how old I am. You and AJ Benza, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> we're the New York different. Daily News. Oh, I'm so jealous. I saw him on E, and it's oh man, what a job he has! And I don't oh, even yeah. think he went to. J- I don't even know if he went to J school, but you know, it's like he had it made. I think he. I don't know. I don't know if he did or not. He I might. can't remember. We have to ask him sometime. Yeah, he'd tell us, and then he would tell us that we're we're not we. I I talked about this on the Patreon the other day. If you, you get were that Patreon, you if can, you um, obviously, we'll you know. obviously, I, every I'm scared to talk to him sometimes because he shoots from the hip a lot. Yeah, and uh, you know, if you ask him something and he's brought it up on the Patreon, he's not going to answer your question. He's just going to browbeat you. He said, I talked being... talk about this on the Patreon three yeah. months ago. You're oh. Three months ago. You got to you got to get it. And then he'll talk about it on the show. But like I went, I posted a video of Aaron Carter talking about a Michael Jackson story. And I was like, you know anything about this, AJ? And he goes, what, that he was a drug addled idiot who died? <laughs> yeah, so what? And I went... <laughs> No, AJ, watch the video. I'm asking you about the content in the video. I was like, I, I, I felt like I was like, man, this for a journalist, this guy doesn't pay attention to sh- anything. <laughs> no, I think he's, I almost feel like he's uh, he's burning the candle at both ends a lot. Like yes. he burns it a lot every, you know, nowadays because it's not he doesn't have a regular gig. So, yeah, he's he's living out as a suitcase. He's a little more outlaw, which makes him more interesting to listen to, frankly. But he's definitely yeah. Well, I I like it. I like well, the reason I like his show is that he really doesn't care about. Yeah, yeah. That's why that's why I dig about it. It's just like when he calls it what he does, the stuff he says on there. I mean, he said some stuff. I'm really surprised he can get away with saying it. I'll be well. I think he just certain stars. Yeah, like he's he spills a lot of tea about stuff he saw and stuff that he was and it's just he's out of it now so he just doesn't care. Yeah. You know, like he's just like, well, I'm not friends. I'm not in that crowd anymore. So what do I have to lose? I'm not, I'm not like, in the crowd I'm anymore. Not, I'm going to just go talk about it, all right? Yeah. <laughs> just going to talk about it. You get the Patreon right? and you hear the whole story. Yeah. You you know, you people who aren't on the Patreon, you like people who go to a wedding and don't stay for the dinner afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> My AJ's terrible. I need to work on my AJ. He's got he's got all the Italian, the bad New York Italian tropes with all everything yeah. he says, you know. Yeah, yeah. Talk, talk <laughs> about making pasta and throwing some sauce on it. Yeah. My old girlfriend, Alyssa Milano. <laughs> Not really my old girlfriend. I just say that. <laughs> yeah, I heard. It. Oh, he was talking about Alyssa Milano's sex life with her rich husband. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> he took a, the most shocking thing he said that I was surprised he could get away with it was he said that Robert Evans told him Michelle Pfeiffer used to be one of his escort girls. Yes. Oh, yeah. I was yeah, like, I, I kind of like did a double take. You know? I think that's more common than we. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard the same thing about Sharon Stone. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think that's how I think, she started out. So I think that's way more common than we're allowed to know you know yeah yeah it's definitely definitely like it wouldn't surprise me if like cameron diaz did that or something yeah because these girls would just pop out of nowhere and they have these big roles and Mm -hmm. you know they're exceptionally good looking but it's a certain type it's a certain type of blonde yes because all three of those are the same category yes all three of those girls are the same category they went to see the man who wore the robe all day with the dark sunglasses and Talked about that time that uh, Ali McGraw left him for Steve McQueen. Uh, I'm with you're with McQueen, aren't you? <laughs> I called up Ali and I said, "Where have you been?" And she says, "I was sleeping." You're lying, I said. <laughs> you were with McQueen. <laughs> you and Steve are an item. <laughs> I, I got to get the audiobook version of that. I heard it's like a comedy classic. Oh, I bet. Gosh, I love Bob Evans. Robert Evans. I shouldn't call him Bob Evans. It yes. creates confusion. He knew Steranko as well, and they, they kind of act very similar. Yeah, I love Steranko just because he's been going off on Twitter. making. All he doesn't give a damn. I, I, I think he's going to be – he's going to have some dirt put on him pretty soon, and he knows it. So he's just going off on everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he, he doesn't care what what a lot of the, the sort of nerd, comic book nerds think who are all – Yeah, who would care what – those pasty faced weirdos thought they anyway, all think yeah. the same way about everything. Yeah. They have the same, you know, Alan Morris brainwashed worldview, you know. Yeah, go read Watchmen for the 900th time, you limited imagination losers. <laughs> go read uh, a real book for once. Good yeah. lord. Um, speaking of books, a movie not based on a book, Shot in the Dark. Yes, <laughs> based on a play, of course, based on a play. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's not a ton to say about this. It's really funny. The running gags are funny. Um, Herbert Lom is hilarious <laughs> in it. Uh, yeah, the the yeah, and, he's a highlight in the other movies too. Like yeah. they just let him go at it, and he he really carries those films when uh, you know Peter Sellers is not on the screen and. Uh, also, another uh, Lady Killers alum, Herbert Lom. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but also, like, um, Sellers does bits with the other actors, like the guy um, who, who was playing the, uh, oh, it's one of his old cohorts who uh, they were doing the improv. Um, I mean, George Sanders is in there as Monsieur Ballon and just doing the dry George Sanders thing. It was Andre Morahan as Francois. They yeah. were doing, they did a lot of improv, improvised stuff with the synchronized the watches. That yes. whole thing was improvised. Oh, that's so funny. This, the watch synchronization scene. <laughs> that's very funny. And then he would just go on this whole lengthy, exhaustive explanation about the thing. And then, he, you know, it's like, Francois, what does this tell us? And he goes, that the, you know, that, that Elky character killed, <laughs> killed this person. He goes, idiots <laughs> it's a great running gag and, and running gags are usually you know in uh in later films they don't work but here it works it's mm-hmm. every time they do the same joke many many times and it works incredibly well the funny thing is is uh the butler douglas wilmer plays the butler and douglas wilmer is actually 
Sherlock Holmes fanatics consider him to be the best actor to play Sherlock Holmes on television. Really? Even more than Jeremy Brett. Like, he he did it for the BBC. A lot of his episodes are lost. There is a collection of them available on DVD. But he played Sherlock Holmes on the BBC before Peter Cushing took over the role on uh, on the TV show. And uh, his are thought to be some of the best uh, visual versions of the Conan Doyle stories ever. Wow. He and just here he just has kind of a throwaway gag role as a butler who gets well, killed. Yeah, and he's uh, he just died in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, 96 years old. Wow. Yeah, he's but a, the uh, George Sanders, I, I really like his performance in this because he never cracks up at, at uh, Peter Sellers, which is an essential thing. Because in uh, the next Peter Sellers Clouseau, I think it's Return of the Pink Panther. It is um, Return, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The um, the actress who's the lead in that, Catherine Schnell, she, she couldn't stop laughing at Peter Sellers. When, she's like when the, he was, she's like the Jimmy Fallon of the. <laughs> yeah, she couldn't stop laughing, and Blake Edwards couldn't do anything about it because he kept telling her, "Don't laugh at him, and you got to keep a straight face." And she kept laughing, so it stayed in the film. He just couldn't. He's screw it. Sometimes you know? that's funny though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it works, and it's like I remember liking that in the film. That was one of the things I loved about it. I mean, other than I'd had a crush on her since I watched Space 1999 when I was a kid. She played the alien girl that turned into monsters, so I thought she was great. And uh, to see her in that, it was like pretty cool. But it does work when she's like laughing at him. It's it's fantastic. <laughs> it's, it's it's just genuinely funny. By the way, she was in Rob Zombie's The Monsters. What really? Yeah, she, yeah. It was a quickie role, but I think she's actually in the film. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I guess Rob Zombie was a big. He was either a Return of the Pink Panther fan or a big Space nineteen ninety nine fan. Oh, and uh, D- Douglas Wilmer is also Nayland Smith in Fu Manchu movies. <laughs> Oh, is he? I didn't because uh, I, I was thinking Nigel Green because Nigel Green was Nalen Smith in the really good one. So I, I forgot Douglas Fulmer took over the role. He was Pretty in good. Brides of Fu Manchu and Vengeance uh, of Fu Manchu. Was one of those the Jess Franco one? I think that's Castle of Fu Manchu. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's not because I, I started that one and I I bailed watching it. Ooh, ooh, yeah. the Jess Franco Fu Manchu's are brutal. Yeah. Those, uh, you know, Christopher Lee, you know, I think he was kind of a stick in the mud about the Dracula films, but he should have been a stick in the mud about those. <laughs> I know he should have been way more quality insistent. It makes me question his taste as an actor. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's like, could you be a little more discriminating about your scripts if they're paying you this much? But um the uh, the other thing that I like about about both films and what I really like that a shot in the dark continue this is both films had this very high budget feel, even though I don't know if they were actually high budget films, but it's very slick intercontinental feel like the early Bond films. Like they're not you almost cannot tell they're American productions made by Americans. They yeah. feel very European. No, they, they feel like, you know, they kind of feel like the the type of movie that Mike Myers was spoofing with Austin Powers. And I think he admitted he was like Peter Sellers is his big his big hero. Oh yeah, like it just yeah, I playing get, the multiple roles and stuff is totally him. Because when I saw you know Austin Powers, I remember thinking, oh, this feels like a Peter Sellers movie. You know, <laughs> when yeah. I was watching it as a kid. Um, well, uh, you know, we've got a few more minutes before this thing kicks out again. Do we want to go ahead and rate the these? Film. Yeah, sure. Let's go ahead. Let's do Pink Panther. What would you give it? Pink Panther, I give like a five. I'm not just not a huge fan. 
Yeah. It's like they were trying to continue that David Niven Raffles thing from the you know, character he played in the 30s, and he was too old to be playing in the 60s. And uh, it just, there's a lot of problems with that movie that I think nobody likes to admit to because they just love the score. They love the Mancini music. They love the character, the cartoon character in the title credits, and they love the idea that it introduces. So they forget David Niven is like 30 years too old for that role. I remember thinking he's way too old to be playing this carousing playboy type uh, watching it. And, um, you know, I, yeah, I'm with you. It's not very cohesive. Uh, I was, you know, I gave it a six when I wrote it up on letterbox, which was probably too generous uh, because yeah, you'd be real nice. Well, because it does, it does, like you said, it's got the cartoons, it's got the music, it's got Peter Sellers. It has a lot going for it. It's just as a movie, it's not cohesive. It's not coherent. Um, it doesn't come together. What about Shot in the Dark? Shot in the Dark, I give a nine. Yeah, that's strong. That's I strong. think it's an incredibly good comedy. Um, almost every scene is perfect. There's no fat. It's like I, this and um, I think the Pink Panther Strikes Again, I think are the best ones in the series. I think they're absolutely flawless comedies. They're very funny. I think they could still make you laugh no matter how many times you've seen them. They're very well-made. Blake Edwards was an incredibly good visual director, um, but the best in the business. This was back when the A comedy was big around the world. And this was in the seventies, the most successful comedy film franchise in the world. Oh, I mean, it, all around the everywhere. These, considering, these considering how many were made without. Yeah. Peter Sellers, that tells you how successful these things were because, you know, they did, uh, you know, there's the Alan Arkin one. Mm-hmm. Okay, but there's also Curse of the Pink Panther, which does not have Clouseau. Right. Ted Wass is in one of them. Yeah, that's that one. Um, uh, Roberto Mandini is in that's one. Son of the Pink Panther has. Joanna Lumley is in one. It's a reporter trying to find Clouseau, and they use a lot of outtakes of Sellers. That was Trail of the Pink Panther. Ugh, yeah, that was bad. the Peter Sellers is dead. Let's, let's you know, make another few bucks. Let's, let's game of death his ass, you know, for this one. <laughs> yes. Let's like they brought Roger Robert Moore Robert. actually plays Clouseau. And uh, I think it's trail of the pink Panther because it shows up, but Clouseau's had plastic surgery and it's Roger Moore. And he's, he's got an uncredited cameo at the end and he's doing a Peter Sellers Clouseau impression. Well, no, uh, he does pretty I, well. He actually said they had approached about maybe continuing the series with him playing Clouseau. Well, you know, I do know that, you know, they wanted to use Cato, but they had to get Casanova Wong in there instead. <laughs> and uh, that would have been great. <laughs> and, you know, Blake Edwards, when he was unavailable, Robert Klaus would show. <laughs> Yin Bu as Cato could be yeah. doing the flips and everything. Yeah. Clouseau's wearing giant sunglasses. <laughs> for most of his. Yeah, movie. well, they have him. They have him with the bandages, just like Game of Death. They have the bandages yes. stuff yes. around Roger Moore. They, so I think Blake Edwards saw Game of Death and got some ideas for Trail. Oh, oh gosh! Yeah, I haven't seen Trail of the Pink. I mean, if I have, I forgot about it. So I need to. I, you want to forget about it after you saw it? Except for yeah, I, everybody says it's the worst. Uh, and you know, and there, there, people hate Son of the Pink Panther and some of these. So you know, we'll see, but, uh, but yeah, I'm working my way through all these sellers movies. So I'm gonna get get to all of them. Um, who knows, maybe we'll do a follow-up or something, but yeah, yeah, I wouldn't mind. I'd like to talk more about them. There, there, there's something very compelling about them to, to speak about. It's a, a type of film, it's not made anymore. Yeah. 
Absolutely. the A studio picture uh, slapstick comedy. Well, and I, I think the thinking now is that comedy doesn't export. Right. Which is ridiculous because you can watch a Hoy Brothers comedy like Private Eyes and he swipes jokes from Pink Panther films. <laughs> they're, they're in there. It's like you could tell this was just the biggest stuff around the world. Like it translated into every language there was, you know, a guy with glass, you know, binoculars looking at a chick in a pool and he's distracted and he goes over into the pool because yeah. he's following her diving in. That's going to go everywhere. That could play anywhere, you know. Yeah, I, I think the thinking's very short sighted. I think they want like um, they want, you know, the comedy to go with big, expensive action scenes, you know. You know, with and the comedy is very beige, gray, goopy uh, sarcasm. Yeah. Oh, you're this guy. I thought you were this guy. Oh, 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 I'm that guy. Oh, oh, really? Oh, I'm sorry, Your Highness. We've got you can't you can't defeat me. I I can't, but he can. Ooh, here comes oh Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, we're we're in like the slacker comedy, lazy comedy. I don't know. It's it's hard to explain. But I'm I'm heartened because a lot of people I know who just eat that slop up a lot of them are not watching this stuff anymore so they're like yeah. nah i'm good i don't need to watch it nobody has three hours for the next george judd apatow comedy no um yeah there's a there's a defeated man judd apatow um the comedy of defeated men yes who've given up on the art of being manly <laughs> yeah they've given up on being funny even you know they yeah just, they don't care they just want to yell their politics at you and hope you'll yeah it's like it's like go away it's like go away you make me want to just go live in a cabin in the woods like eastwood and firefox yeah yeah there you go start (laughs) thinking in russian to fly this plane um well all right uh anything to plug john before we go uh nothing to plug this week hopefully we'll have some stuff to announce pretty soon yeah, hopefully we, we we keep chugging along. We gotta we're struggling to get these out, but we're gonna we're gonna get back on track. And yeah, it's we'll the holidays that. right now. You know, we'll get holidays. The- everybody's schedule is off off. You know, off all over the place, and it's just tough right now. Yeah, we have to buy gifts for our families too. Sorry, uh-huh. guys. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, speaking of buying gifts, if you want to donate, there's the Ko-Fi donation page link thing. If you want to give a donation, it is much appreciated to uh, offset the cost of the show. Anyway, well, uh, John, if there's nothing else, I'm going to go ahead and say adios. And and I'll say uh, goodbye. And uh, if you give some donations, we promise we won't try to sound like Lex Friedman uh, anytime soon on the show. So there. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Midnight Movie Cowboys. For more information, go to www.midnightmoviecowboys.com. For feedback, comments, or show suggestions, go to midnightmoviecowboys at gmail.com. Like what you hear? Head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Hear us on Stitcher Radio. Head over to stitcher.com and download the app. Want to help the show out? Head on over to www.midnightmoviecowboys.com. 
and hit the PayPal donate. We appreciate all donations of any denomination. Find us on Twitter at MMCowboys. Like us on Facebook. Head over to facebook.com. Type in Midnight Movie Cowboys. Hit the like button over there. Want to friend us personally on Facebook or follow us on Twitter? Go to www.midnightmoviecowboys.com and find the links from there on the right-hand side. Thanks for listening. See you all next week.